Welcome to Super Talk, the podcast that scratches your superhero itch. Just two suburban dads nerding out over superhero stuff on the small screen and the big. Buckle up, people. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to Super Talk, the weekly podcast dedicated to news and reviews of comic book media on the big and small screen. This is episode number 64. I'm your host, Brian Professor Pettis, and with me, as always, is my illustrious co-host, Titanium Tony Estrella. Titanium. Professor, take us to school. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, you want to talk about your April Fool's joke to me today? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. Literally. I it, believe you. The goal... Well, as long as you jumped on your phone or on your computer for at least 30 seconds searching to see if you could find the news somewhere. Try 30 minutes. <laughs> Try a half hour. <laughs> yeah. I had a joke with Titanium. I, I, right when I was jumping in the car to drive home today, I said, you know, send them breaking news. Uh, Marvel delays Thor Love and Thunder to September 2nd amidst production delays. And Titanium's like, oh, come on, say April Fool's, say April Fool's. And I didn't say anything for like half an hour. And I'm I'm sure he was around searching for everything. That was funny. Not saying that won't happen. You know, you jinxed it, right? Yeah, exactly. Not saying that won't happen. It's like talking about how great a kicker is. And then the next thing you know, boom, he misses the field goal. It's the announcer's curse, right? You know, uh, know, he's made five free throws in a row. Oh, he missed one. You know, Mm -hmm. this guy hasn't missed a six foot putt all week. Boom, he misses one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Clutch putt. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, we don't have any news like that to report, and we will uh, uh, refrain from any uh, April Fool's jokes. Uh, you know, the Internet's full of them today, uh, uh, um, and you just kind of got to take everything you see on, on the Internet today with a grain of salt. Yeah, I saw that uh, James Gunn put out a tweet that there was an on-set picture of him and, uh, and the new um, – uh, Adam Warlock from the set of Guardians of the Galaxy three, and it was a, a like a super close up picture of the two of them that had been like completely like digitized, digita- out of focus on purpose, and been, like people were taking that picture and like trying to put it in Photoshop and get it back in focus, and it, and it's like, dude, he's trolling you guys. Come on, exactly, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get started. Uh, first, we want to thank the patrons. These are uh, patreon.com slash supertalk. These are the listeners that bring the show directly to you. Dollar an episode, that's how you become a patron. You can support the show directly. Please do so. Patreon.com slash supertalk. Well, let's jump right into the review section. we got a big week this week, so we got two really new things to talk about. First and foremost, we got the premiere episode of Moon Knight on Wednesday, Disney+. Plus. What'd you think? Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty spectacular. And and a lot of people asked me about it this week. They said, what'd you think? And I said, well, this is not the most popular character that Marvel's ever put on, you know, the big or the small screen. I mean, he's not really well known. No, not at all. Um, he, if- is a, he is a B, if not C list character. As far as the novice is concerned. So if you think about this, this is the first character to headline a show or movie in a long time. Well, show on Disney Plus that has never been seen anywhere else. So every series that Marvel's put out thus far has featured characters that we were familiar with, right? Wanda and Vision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, all characters that had been in films previously with portrayed by actors. That, well established right, in films. Yeah. Right. And and we knew who those characters were. Moon Knight, we knew nothing about. Um, now, we were super excited for this because we know it's a really kind of neat character and thought that this series could be really good. And Oscar Isaac, great actor. And we're like, well, the, you know, this is should be a good series. Now, episode one, from my perspective, um, was a setup episode for sure. Was setting the background, introducing us to the character, introducing us to the actors playing specific roles in the show. Not a lot of like real compelling Moon Knight action, but it was definitely a setup episode, but it was still really well done, like oh, extremely yeah. well done. The treatment of it, the him go phasing in and out of his identities was fantastic, yeah. And they and they only they hid all of them from us until the end, basically. 
all all the identities from us until yeah. until the end. It was very good. So like you know the blackouts were when all this other stuff was happening, and we knew that he was blacking out into who we knew who he was blacking out into, but we never saw any of that on screen. He would just like black out, and then he'd come back, and things would be different. And oh it yeah. Was like I like the fact that they chose to hide that from us and let us imagine what happened while he was blacked out. That was kind of a really cool way to do that. I mean, at one point he wakes up and his jaws dislocated on the ground and he's just jumped out of this four story building and he wakes up as Stephen Grant, the in the, Germany, you know, in the middle of, in the middle of Europe, uh, this little like uh, Alps mountain village. And he, he's, you know, he wakes up as Stevie Grant and then you hear, the Kanshu voice, which was awesome. I mean, oh was, no, the idiots in charge yeah. again. Oh, the worms in charge. I yeah. think he called him a worm. Yeah, that was great. I or think the fool. You like the, the fool. Much funnier than I thought it was going to be. I thought I didn't think the humor was going to be um, injected into this series as much as it was. I thought it was great. And again, the the portrayal of Stevie Grant is awesome. Just awesome. Well, let's uh, and again, spoiler warning for those of you that haven't seen the episode yet. Uh, we assume that if you're here to hear about our opinions of the episode, that what, you've watched it. But one of our biggest fans called me last night and said that he had just watched it. He knows nothing about this character. Timmy Timmy Saint Laurent called me last night and said, uh, "Wow, that was really cool. Like I have no idea what this character was. Uh, I've." heard some of your podcasts you guys talk about them but i didn't know it was that kind of character i said well you probably heard our podcast about how moon knight's portrayed in the comics not really how the treatment of how they're going to do him in this series and they were in love with this character like like i was i th- i thought it was fantastic well and and they're definitely going with uh kind of the i'll say the latter version of moon knight from the comic books originally the Stephen Grant character was just one of his alter egos that he purposely portrayed to kind of hide who he was very much like a, a Bruce Wayne. Right. Situ- he was, you know, Mark Spector was, you know, a Bruce Wayne type of character, but he, he developed the Stephen Grant alter ego as a cab driver so that he could like kind of get this, you know, underbelly tones from the city and, and find out where yeah. the crimes were happening. I think Jake Lockley was the cab driver. Jake Stephen, Lockley, Stephen yeah, Grant. Stephen Grant was the billionaire. The billionaire, yeah. Right. The, the more like the uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Right. So, but but they, but Stephen Grant was something he purposely used as a way to kind of awesome. hide his true yeah. identity. And then they retconned that in the comics later on developing this like he really originally did not have dissociative identity disorder when he was originally in the comic books but they developed that later on in the comic books as an explanation behind these alter egos and then explain the fact that it was likely that Kanchu placed those in him you know as a way to kind of you know protect him from being too overwhelmed with everything else that was going on in the world and so they're they're definitely going with that version in the in the show um Look, we'll we'll do a quick rundown and 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 give our opinions about certain perspectives of the show. But I, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I I as a setup episode does, and again, I didn't have too many expectations of what I was going to see in this episode. But I, I'm just now hungry for more. Right? How hungry? Because you know, they didn't really give say, us much. It was a lot a of setup. tremendous appetite building episode. Right? Right. Very good. Well, we start the show off with an introduction. Uh, to uh, uh, Arthur Harrow, who is uh, played by Ethan Hawke in the show, who's kind of the the, the big bad of the show, uh, we get an int- introduction to him in the first like thirty seconds of the show, and he's in his little office. And he's got a little table, and he puts down you know a glass and fills it with water. Then he wraps the glass in in a in a napkin, and then smashes it and pours the broken glass into his shoes and then sandals, and then <laughs> walks out. And I'm like, okay, well, we see where this is going, right? He's, yeah. he's a religious zealot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of re- religious zealots do that, right? It's like work through the pain, always be suffering for your cause or your God or or whatever you're worshiping. I thought it was great, very really. reminiscent of the. And apparently, uh, apparently, Ethan Hawke kind of advise them and kind of that was his kind of deal like you know what instead of this 
let's do something a little let's take it to the next level so well yeah he said he he, he uh based this character his portrayal of this character on um the guy from texas right yeah um steve koresh david koresh, david koresh right you yeah. know so you know the the guy who ran a cult in texas but um yeah so he was you know i remind very reminiscent of if you remember um in uh, the Da Vinci Code, the movie The Da Vinci Code, yeah. um, uh, our our favorite uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, uh, he played a, a kind of like a monk type of character that was uh, part of the church, the Catholic Church, and he would wear that big belt around his the, the spiked belt around his leg, and he would yeah. tighten it and cinch it up every day to kind of yeah. make sure. And he whip himself at night, you know, yeah, yeah real crazy. Uh, but we just got a, a quick view of him, and then and then we get introduced to Stephen, and we find out that Stephen. Wakes up every morning just kind of groggy and just not sure what's going on. And he's tied himself to the bed. He puts sand around his bed to see if there's any footprints in it. So he knew he knows he would have left. He thinks he's a sleepwalker. Yeah. Yeah. And he puts uh, a piece of tape on the door, locks the door, and puts tape on the door just to say, I have these dreams that I'm doing this stuff while I'm sleeping and I'm afraid to go to bed at night. And this is what I do to kind of just give myself peace of mind when I wake up in the morning that it didn't really happen. But he's obviously not sleeping well because he's falling asleep as he's you know taking the bus to work every morning. But he's a very weak kind of demure uh, character. Um, he's getting stepped on by his boss at work. He works in the gift shop at the the museum. Uh, he does. We do find out he's a huge like Egyptologist. He knows a lot about Egyptian yeah. history and the Egyptian gods. You know, as a matter of fact, at one point in time he. Uh, complains to his boss that the poster and out on, on the front of the museum is wrong because it doesn't have the entire pantheon of Greek gods on it. There's there's nine, but there's only seven on our poster. Yeah, so yeah. the Egyptian gods, yeah, yeah. He says that there's only seven and there should be nine deities uh, on this poster. You know, I'm not trying to get into marketing's business, but right, I think it was. And great. she's like, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to get a, apply for a job as a tour guide, forget it. That's you know? his dream. Yeah, it, it, and because. Uh, he's selling little things at the gift shop at one point in time and sees a little girl who stuffs some garbage into the pyramids of Giza. And he's like, he's like walking around explaining some stuff to her. And you can see how much he really enjoys it and how much he yeah. likes that history. He's very much into the Egyptian mythology. Absolutely. But we notice he, he works at the gift shop. His boss treats him like crap. Um, he is a little bit of a loser. He's always late for work and he's, you know, not very dependable. But, you know, he, we kind of see his life there. Um, you know, she, you know, demotes him a little bit and says, you know, you're on inventory Wednesday night, you know, and he's like, okay, fine. And, but then one of the girls that works at the museum walks up to him and says, hey, um, excited for our date on Friday night. And he's, and he's like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you're, you're just being coy, you know, best steak in, in town. And he's like, okay. And his boss says, aren't you a vegan? What are you going to do at a steakhouse? And he, she, he goes, I don't eat a salad. What do you think? You know, yeah. you know, but he's all excited. He's got a date and he didn't even know he set yeah. it up. And you know, we're now kind of obviously, those are hints that he's got a, another personality that's kind of working at the place as well. Or had interactions with the people he works with yeah. without his knowledge. Right. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, then he goes home and, and, you know, he talks, he, Leaves voicemails on his phone for his mom. What do you think that's about? Do you think that's just him leaving voicemails to an open line or something? Yeah, or? I think these are all things that Mark has set up to um, keep him, keep up the facade. Keep up the facade. Keep I, him quiet. I think, you know, what they may be doing is um, that the Stephen Grant character is a way to kind of protect Mark a little bit because, you know, and maybe we'll find out that what happens when he becomes Moon Knight and the servant of the avatar of Kanchu is so difficult for him to handle mentally, mentally yeah. that his body was forced to create this other personality to protect him and that he can't spend too much time as Mark Spector without going crazy or without, you know, being mentally disabled or whatever. And maybe that's just a defense mechanism his body created. And he knows that now. So he's now cultivating it. Right. Yeah. So we, we learn throughout the episode, all the things that Mark Spector's doing to Behind keep up scenes. that facade. Right. Yeah. Obviously yeah. if he is going out at night, he's putting more sand down. He's putting tape back on the door. Yeah. He's re put tying his leg to the bed before he goes yeah. to sleep. Um, 
We find out at one point in time that a fish that he had, the goldfish that he has in his tank is missing one fin, just like Nemo. And then the next day, he's got a new goldfish that has that grew back, or the goldfish grew back its fin. And he's like, I don't, what happened? You know, this yeah. is crazy. Um, and so you, obviously, I mean, he goes to bed on a Wednesday night and he wakes up on a Sunday. He had a date Friday that he thought. So you can see there's large periods of time where he's out. And he's and Mark not Spector Stephen is Grant. In. He's right. not Stephen Grant. So he's out of his body and he's missing that period of time. And that's probably what killed the goldfish. And Mark Spector either bought the goldfish or it could be another. He was gone for like four days, right? Yeah. yeah. It could be another personality we haven't met yet. But I think I think they're going to keep it pretty tight. Um, and it's so interesting. I think it's fascinating. Well, that four days he missed was the time that he was in Germany. And he and, and again, he, to Titanium mentioned this, you know, he had woken up on the ground his jaws broken his legs broken but like kind of he resets itself and then he's getting shot at and chased through town by these cronies and then he and he sees the author hair character walk into the square and hold court amongst all the, the citizens of this little town and we find out that he is an agent of amit the the egyptian god of justice i or you know yeah. egyptian god of something yeah. um, but he's got this um scale on his arm and he puts this he has a cane that has two crocodile heads on it which is uh, the the egyptian god amit has a crocodile face and a lion body i believe but um the crocodile heads are now resting on the arms of of the citizen and he, and he waves it back and forth like a scale would and and hit the scale tattoo on his arm actually goes up and down if and then if it, it ends up flashing green it's a good person and he spares them but if it ends up flashing red the scales are tipped to evil yeah and, and there's an old lady she's like i've been a good person my whole life and he says i trust you but the scales don't lie and yeah. then the life gets sucked out of her yeah. she turns gray and dies and yeah so we kind of know what he's all about right he's a servant of ahmed and i think she's the ahmed god is more of a judge uh to be judged and he later explains that to stephen grant when they're in the museum yeah and but uh they end up identifying um, Stephen in the square, and he has no idea why he's there or what he's doing there or whatever. And, you know, they see him, and, and Arthur Harrow says to him, you know, give me the scarab back. And 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 Stephen had noticed that he had this gold golden scarab in his pocket, and he had no idea what it was for and why it was there. But, you know, Arthur Harrow's like, give it back to me. And that's, that's the whole scarab thing. I can see the tie-ins now to Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Very cool. Like, the, the, he's got this ancient scarab, this Egyptian scarab in his hand, which scarab is, it looks like a little beetle. Bug. Yeah, beetle. It's like a beetle with all this hieroglyphics on it and cool stuff. And it's a gold beetle, and he's uh, trying to hide it from them. But I can see that. That's a great tie-in. I thought that was cool. Yeah, we'll see where they go. with The scarab obviously has some meaning beyond what we understand. Understand yeah, Arthur Harold wants it bad. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, he he and Steve is like, here, take it. You you can have it. And you hear Conchu's voices. You give him that scarab, and I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm going to kill you. And, and yeah. it's, it's like you speaking to him in his head. So we understand that he's being spoken to by Conchu. Um, with you know, he has no idea where that voice is coming from, but we hear. It. And then Conchu forces him to close his hand, and then he puts it into the other hand, and then he rolls the hand away. So Conchu has some control over Stephen Grant's body, even without his. his... Either either Conchu does, or that was Mark Spector having control. Like Mark knows, dude, you're about to get us in a lot of trouble. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, he eventually kind of like you know runs and gets out of where he is, and, and but then he he ends up in an alley, gets surrounded by like five or six guys. And he doesn't know what to do. Then all of a sudden, he like eyes roll back in his head, and then he and he comes back, and all the guys that were surrounding him are like on the ground, and he's got blood all over his fists. Like he just like took him, and he had no idea what just happened. Brilliant actor. Oh, Oscar, it was so awesome. He's such a good actor. He sold this. He sold this so well, right? You know. And then we get the chase scene in the truck where he's driving this cupcake truck through the mountains, and it's Stephen Grant. And he has no idea. And then guys are shooting at him and jumping on the truck and. Again, he's blacks out a couple times, and you know he's got a gun in his hand, and he's at like, one point he's driving the truck backwards, like right when the guy's <laughs> like trying to strangle him, he's throwing cupcakes in the guy's face, and the guy's from behind as he's driving trying to strangle him, and he's got a gun, and then a 
car pulls up next to him and the gun's pointed at him and he his eyes kind of flutters and then the next thing you know, the next scene is he's driving backwards and the guy the guy that was strangling him is like shot and burnt and he's like falling out, the windshield's blown out and there's gun holes all over. There's it was, gunshots. It was awesome. It's so good. It was awesome. I mean, that was that treatment is brilliant. And I think you're right. I think it adds to our our, our interest when they're not showing us those blackout scenes and they're just clicking. Oh yeah, it was great. It's the great. great the way they did it was great. But that yeah. he ends up uh, at the end of the the chase scene, he gets away. But the uh, and frankly, because stuff falling down the mountain took out the rest of the, the cronies. But he wakes up in his bed, still tied to the bed, tape still on the door, going, "Oh my god, what a nightmare I just had." Well, then he's like. He goes to the the fish store, and you know we find out that you know his fish had been replaced, but we he doesn't know how or why, or it grew its you know fin back. Yeah. But then you know it was like five o'clock in the afternoon, and he was like, "Holy crap, I got a date! I got a date!" And he shows up at the restaurant, and then he ends up calling With the flowers girl. and right. chocolates, and right. he's all excited, and he's sitting at the, the one of the best tables at the steak restaurant. And he calls the girl, and she's like, "Oh, you know, you know." you've got some nerve calling me and he's, and he's like, I'm here at the restaurant. I'm kind of waiting for you. And, and, and she's like, uh, that was two days ago. It's Sunday. Yeah. You know, it's over Mark. And he couldn't. Yeah. yeah, Steven, I think he, he was truly shocked because he really believed that it was Friday. Right. He had no idea it was Sunday. asked the waiter, what day is it? And he said, it's Sunday. He's like, oh, my God. That was a really great scene. So that's what happened in Germany, right? Yeah. You could see the torment in his face. Like, he's starting to realize that this problem is ruining his life. This, this, whatever's going on with him is ruining his life. And he's trying to wrap his head around, how can I absolutely think it's Friday night and I had a date at 7 and it ends up being Sunday, and I missed those days. Right. He's starting to realize that something's going on, and it sparks his curiosity. And I thought, to be honest with you, out of that whole series, the action was off the charts, and especially the last scene. We won't get into it until you're ready, but that scene of him at the at the at the restaurant, like realizing and being tortured at how affected he is about how he's missed these days. I thought it was one of my favorite parts of the, and, and Oscar, I, he just blew it out of the and water. That, and then it drives him to try to figure it out. So he goes back to his apartment and kind of start looking around his apartment, like what could be going on? And he sees that a table had been moved. He sees there's a plank of wood that's out, like kind of up in the, in the ceiling yeah. a little bit. And, he jumps up there and finds a cell phone and a key in there, and he looks at the cell phone and he calls the the first number, which but is. But we don't Layla. know what the key is for, right? Not yet. No. Okay. But he ends up calling the fir- the number that's on the phone, Layla, and she's like, "Oh my God, Mark, you're alive! You know, it's been two months. What's going on? You know." Yeah. So, and and he's like, "Who's this? What are you calling me? Why you call me Mark? Why you, know? you call me Mark? Yeah." And because then he, he heard Conchu in his dream say, "Mark, right? Give Mark back the body, right?" And then, uh, uh, but then he's like, what's going on? And then he hears Mark Spector speaking to him and it's like, what, what? And then he looks in the mirror and he sees kind of this, the Mark Spector kind of talking to him. He's like, holy crap. And then the lights start flickering and he goes outside and he's like trying to get out of the building. But then he sees Conchu walking towards him. It's all that whole scene that we saw from the trailer Spectacular. was great. Um, but he kind of is just not really sure what's going on. Well, the, I think the next part of the show is he's uh, back at work. And he's doing inventory that evening, and he's at the museum by himself doing the inventory. Did you notice on the phone, uh, Layla, 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 Layla Duchamp, Duchamp, Layla, 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 Layla. Yeah. So I guess Layla that's Frenchy. is a character. Yeah, that's Frenchie's his buddy. So one of his the characters in the comics was kind of Easter egged on that phone. So you saw the girl Layla calling him a, a bunch of missed calls, and one was. His buddy, who in the comics is Frenchie, which is yep. his Mark Spector's buddy, who flies in places and and gets him supplies. He's like his like, like Alfred, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. like the guy that helps him out, right? Yeah. Or Micro to yeah. to to the Punisher, right? So, um, yeah, but it it you know he ends up doing inventory, and then he's like in there by himself. He's not really sure what's going on. Then he hears this dog howling. And he's like, "Come here, boy! Come here, boy!" You know, yeah. like think that there's a dog trapped in the uh, in the museum. <laughs> and he sees this thing chasing him. Um, but this was after uh, that day he had been at work, and he got confronted by um, Arthur Harrow, and found out that half the people working in the museum were part of the cult that Harrow yeah. is in charge of. Yeah. 
And Harrow confronts him and says, oh, you do work here. He had followed him to work and followed yeah. him. Yeah, Because in that little German town, he's yeah. like, I'm Stephen Grant. I work at a yeah. gift shop in London. I'm right. from London. Right. Followed him there, but then confronted him. You know, what was interesting is that um, Arthur knew and called him out and said, oh, the mercenary. So he knew Mark Spector from before. I'd I hope seen him. Yeah, he'd seen him before. He called him out and said, oh, you're the mercenary. I, I hope we find, I'm sure we're going to find out what that was. We'll find but he out. he definitely knew who he was. Um, very interesting. I but thought it was fantastic. He, he did the same trick on Mark uh, with the, the cane and, and, the, yeah. and the scales. And the scales were always in balance. Like they never went one direction or the other. Well, they kept the shaking other. like right. there's chaos. They never made a decision. Right. And so it, it, he could never, he was never really fully judged. Um, but he ends up like running away and hiding. Um and then ends up doing his inventory that night. And that's where this jackal starts chasing him through the museum. It's jumping everywhere. And it's like, he finally makes his way into the bathroom, locks himself in the bathroom. And then he sees Mark in the mirror, talking to him, basically saying, you, Listen, know, you need to give me control. Steven, not Steven me. you can't fight me. You can't, I can save us. You can't fight me this time. I can save us. You just need to give me control. And he's like, what the hell is going? He says, that thing is going to break through the door and kill us. You need to let me take control. Right. And that's where we <laughs> see his eyes roll back in his head, his head go back and the moon Knight costume starts forming over top of him. And the jackal breaks through the door. And the next thing we see is moon Knight, the scene from the trailer of moon Knight beating the living crap out of the awesome. jackal on the ground yeah. and, you know, walking out. And that was the end of the episode. So, Great. so good. Yeah. It was a great way to introduce that character. I think they did it so smart. Too. Well, and we're going to learn. I assume the next couple episodes are going to give us more about, you know, Mark and, and, and Stephen will have more interaction with each other. They'll kind of explain yeah. what's going on. Uh, we'll get more. And it seems like Stephen's going to be more of a front and forward character in this, uh, at least early on. Um and so I think it's going to be from Steven's perspective for at least the first two or three episodes where yeah. we might just get a little bit of pieces of Mark through the mirror and through the... the you know. I think they're going to give us how Mark became Moon Knight. I think they're oh, going we'll to go Oh, we'll get some backstory yeah. of like Absolutely. him getting killed. Yeah. And then the... what? What's the... The Scarab. Um, the Scarab. I think we're going to find out what indirectly... I, I mean, obviously, Arthur's main goal is to bring Ahmed out of that dimension onto Earth so that he can judge those that have been bad. He he explains to Mark that, you know, uh, Hitler, Pol Pop, all these evil dictators that killed would have been genocide stopped. would have been stopped if, if he had judged them. Yeah, so he, that's their main goal, uh, which is very reminiscent of... Um, uh, Thanos, right? Like, well, you know, that, that's the question. If he had been there, had you know, Thanos been stopped? You know, right. had you know, all these bad things that had happened before been been prevented? And that that's the theory of this cult, right? Is that if Ahmed had been here to judge everybody, none of these bad things would have ever happened. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you know that you know he knows a lot of the history of Ahmed, and that yeah, um, you know, was he was betrayed, uh, you know, thousands of years ago in ancient Egypt by his own by, by his, his own avatar, yeah. and and there's there's popular theories out there that that, that could possibly be Ramatut, which is uh, Kang the Conqueror's original um, one of his original identities when he went back in time to mm -hmm. to live in 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 ancient Egypt. Uh, but hey, you know, there's lots of Easter. Now eggs. is Arthur Harold? You think Harrow? Arthur Harrow's? Uh, is he the avatar for Amit? That's what they're yeah, at least. That's what I'm assuming. That's what they're assuming, and yeah. and you know we're under the assumption that Mark Spector is now the avatar of of Kanchu, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I do believe next episode we'll probably get some flashbacks of him becoming Moon Knight and making the deal with with uh, Kanchu and you know, understanding how that all happened. But that that'd how be really cool. Excited are you for that next episode? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I mean, again, you know, an hour at a time sucks, but it's it's. Really, kind of cool too. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad it's uh, it's it's here. Yeah. So I, and again, I, I overall, I didn't expect too much out of this first episode, knew, knowing it was going to be an episode spent introducing everybody who subscribes to Disney Plus to this character of Moon Knight. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of the Moon Knight character in action over these next couple of ex episodes. But I do think Stephen Grant is going to be a big part of this early on. Now, maybe later on in the series, Mark starts taking over and we get some of his perspective. Yeah. But 
I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to it. It was great. Me too. It was really good. Really, really good. And I guess we also got the timeline of when this is happening. This happens after Hawkeye. So the Thanos stuff has already happened. It happens after uh, Hawkeye. So we are up to date with this series. We are. Yeah, it's in, in I guess, current live. times, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, because Hawkeye was around the Christmas time because we had the yeah the 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 tree in Rockefeller Center. So now we're kind of in like spring of but of after day. Thanos, after all that after happened, the snap, yeah, right? This is after the snap as well. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll look forward to next week, and we'll be uh, covering episode two uh, on that next week episode of Super Talk for sure. Uh, let's get into the news section. Not a lot of news this week uh, for lots of reasons. I think because of the Moon Knight premiere and a lot of other things, and and frankly. All we're hearing, you know, nowadays is is about the slap. I mean, that is just like everything that is being talked about anywhere right yeah. now. It's just like the 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 fallback, and you know, Chris Rock having his first comedy show after it, and you know, all this. I mean, it's just that's all you're hearing about on online now. But the one thing I did want to mention is, so I did, uh, you know, wanted to cite where Spider-Man No Way Home kind of finished in the box office after it kind of had its run. You know, and by the way, it is still playing in theaters today. You can still yeah. go see it in a theater. So Crazy. They 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 they're, they're milking it you for can all it's order worth. order it on demand. Right. It's on demand. Mm-hmm. I think Blu-ray comes out this week, yep. I believe, or next week, yeah. Yeah, one of these two. It's it's you know, it's been uh-huh. on demand for a while now. Um, but you can still go see it in the theaters, which is crazy. So they're d- definitely still milking it, but it's now the 6th highest grossing movie of all time worldwide with 1.89 billion dollars in revenue worldwide it is the third highest grossing movie domestically with 801 million wow so it wow yeah it's it's absolutely 100% amazing the reason why i wanted to call that out is when we get into our next section when we review the morbius movie <laughs> i was just going to ask you that i'm going to call that out as to some of the reasons why I think Sony's doing what it's doing, but yeah, but I mean, it's just as absolutely amazing what that movie was able to do during a pandemic, by the way, yeah, uh, no it was, was fantastic. Yeah, so really good. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, we'll talk uh, about our review of the Morbius movie. You were able to see it last night. I did get to see it today. This review is brought to you by Studio GG Studios, Home of the Man Band, Band, Corn on the Cob. Corn on the Cob. And what's their new, uh, new single called? It is called Zia's Parachute Pants. Oh, that's right. Zia's Parachute Pants. All right. Well, go to their YouTube page. Check them out. Thanks for all your help and support, Studio G. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, give me your overall impression of the Morbius movie. Before we get into the details, give me your overall impression of the movie. What did you think? Discounting the end because I'm going to tell you what I thought of the movie in general. All right. And then... This was before I saw the post credit scenes, which just pissed me off to all. all, all we hell. won't get into that, but um, oh, and by the way, spoiler warning: if you haven't seen yeah, the Morbius movie, we're gonna talk about we're gonna it. we're gonna talk yeah. about some details. Uh, so you know, fair warning. All right, so here's Titanium's take on it. Uh, I did hear a lot of chatter about the critics and everything thought about this. I thought movie. you went dark. Uh, I did hear some chatter. I didn't watch any clips or anything like that. I didn't read anything, but I did see a, a lot of headlines uh, about this. Um, so you went into it with lower expectations because Very of low expectations because of that. Um, and I kind of liked it. Okay. I kind of liked the movie, to be honest with you. I thought the story was clunky. I thought the story didn't really flow very well. It was kind of weird at times. Uh, and let me let me talk about the things that I liked, and then I'll talk. Let me talk about the things I didn't like, and then I'll talk about things that I liked. I didn't like how clunky the story was. It was kind of choppy. It didn't flow very well. It wasn't told very cohesively. I I didn't think the story overall was put together well. The overall the the big thousand foot view of the story was fine to me. Like how they portrayed him, how they brought him out, how they explained how he got his powers and everything. I thought that was fine. I did not like how there was no kind of blueprint to his powers. Like he had control. He didn't have control. When he did have control, he could lose control. Then he could gain control. I thought that was very clunky as well. Now, that being said, and I know it's getting panned by the critics and people hate this movie. 
That being said, I thought it was good. I thought it was entertaining. And there was a lot of critics that said the, the special effects kind of were awful. I thought the special effects were great. I mean, as far as my opinion, I thought they were great. I thought Jared Leno did a great job. His supporting actors did a great job. I thought he was amazing at the, the Living Vampire. I thought the special effects and the way he looked was incredible, like haunting. I would have liked it to have been a little more scary, maybe a little more horror. Um, but overall, I thought it, it wasn't great. It was good for me. Yeah, I mean, look, and again, we'll, we'll talk about the post credit scenes later. Before I well, saw... Well, I, th- I, I think... But Tell it, me how that, you felt about the movie because I think the post credit scenes right. had a lot to that's do with the say. overall movie. That's what I was going to say. It is that the, the post post credit scenes definitely made me feel worse yes. than I would have felt had I not seen them. That being said, overall it was good. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say good. It was okay. It wasn't great. No. It wasn't even very good. It was okay. It was not bad. I didn't like. At, at, at no point in time was I like, man, this is terrible, or that scene was terrible, or I can't believe I'm watching this. Was it the worst Sony Marvel no. movie you've ever seen? No. no. Oh, th- Not this at all. was better than than Venom Let There Be Carnage. I thought so. I thought this was as good, if not better, than the original Venom movie. I thought I thought uh, it I was, thought better was better than, than you know, maybe one or two of the Spider Man movies How that about we've seen? the Fantastic Four. Oh. Well, that's not Sony. Come on. But still, yeah. shitty superhero Oh, yeah. No, movie. that was a horrible movie. Awful. That was a horrible movie. Yeah. But it was not bad. I, like I said, would I would I go see it again? Probably not. Do I need to see it again? Probably not. When it comes out on, you know, you know, free somewhere, I'll watch it again. But it, it's not that great. Now, there were things about it I did like, and there are things about it I didn't like. And again, I'm not going to talk about the post credit scene yet. We'll get there. But there are things about the movie that, I did not like, and and I'll, I'll kind of talk through that a little bit. Um, I think the way they portrayed his origin story was good, and I thought it was fairly comic book accurate. You know, suffered from this bloodborne disease for most of his life, mm-hmm. ended up becoming a brilliant, you know, doctor that that worked on you know blood born diseases to kind of solve his own problem. I love the synthetic blood that he, oh, yeah. yeah, that was cool. won the that Nobel cool, prize yeah. for, for creating um, synthetic blood, synthetic blood, like cool. basically saved lives, you yeah. know, that creating this blood that, you know, you could just mm-hmm. manufacture in a factory that yeah. you didn't have to harvest from human beings yeah. saved millions of lives. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and, but he, he refused the Nobel prize because he's like, you know, th- that was a mistake. It was me trying to create, something to help my disease and I ended up creating this synthetic blood that didn't cure me, but you know, yeah, it saved a bunch of lives. He was yeah. pissed off about that yeah. because it was a mistake he called. Right. Yeah. Um, but I thought the origin story was very accurate. It took some time to get there. You know, Clunky. We, we got a lot mm-hmm. of background of, you know, him going to Costa Rica and capturing a bunch of vampire bats and bringing them back to his lab. Did you notice that the the trailer, like the scenes of that scene in the trailer in the movie, were missing? Like, if you're going to run, run now. Yeah, they cut a lot of little they things out lot. of it. Well, we'll get there when we talk about post credit scene. They cut a lot of stuff that was in the original trailer out of this movie. Yeah, um, for lots of different reasons. But um, I. I you know, we find that out, and then we find out that he's working at this, you know, this private company trying to find a cure for this disease. We find out that his friend from his lifetime friend Milo, um, who you know was a child with him in the same clinic, uh, suffered from the same disease he did, was now his main benefactor. Somehow became rich and uh, was was now funding all of his research and funding all of his exploits. Um, we find that out. Now, when he got his powers, I thought like d- developing the cure and then having it work on the rat and then them deciding they have to try it out on a human. And he said, well, who better than me? I get all that. Um, the fact they had to go on a boat in international waters to do it. I kind of get that, too. That made a lot of sense. And again, what happened when he got the the serum the first time and what it turned him into? I thought that whole 
part of the movie where he turned into this living vampire and then there are all these mercenaries on the boat and he has to kill them and uh, well he is just wrecking house yeah um but the the and I think the next few scenes after that where it's like a sense of discovery after he kind of gets off the boat and realizes I turned into that because my body needed blood yeah and when I don't have the blood I get this I turn into this thing that has a need to hunt and it needs to consume and drink blood. But he, and again, this is how brilliant he is. He figured out that the synthetic blood that he created satiated him. It was able to quell those, those desires. Um, And, you know, he turned back into like his human form when he was on that blood, which was really cool. But But fleeting, but fleeting. Right. He figured out the synthetic blood worked initially for six hours, but it was dwindling. It was then four hours. And he's like, eventually I'm going to have no other choice but to drink real blood or else I'm going to, you know, turn into and this his thing. disease would come back if the long, if he didn't consume blood or the synthetic blood, his disease would start to ravage him and he would start to deteriorate. So I thought, so all that was cool. And I think, you know, yeah. the experiments he was doing on himself in his, in his lab of, you his know, discovery of his powers, testing himself out, you know, re- realizing he has echolocation yeah. and he's super, some of strong. that was missing in the trailer too. They, like when he lifted up the crypt or whatever. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, a, like yeah. they cut a lot of that out. Right. But he realized he had, you know, super speed, super strength, you know, and then he uh, had echolocation and he could use it. He, the, that whole sense of discovery was really cool. Yeah. Um, but then one of the scenes, uh, so here's one of my problems with the movie. I thought the Milo character, um, I don't think he was a very compelling villain. No. Like, and that, and I, I didn't like the actor. I didn't like the way that role was portrayed. I didn't like the way that they used that role as the villain in the movie. And I'll get into other things that bothered me later on, but that storyline kind of sucked. Right. So yeah. what what ended up happening was Michael locks himself into, you know, a, a cage basically inside of his lab and says, I'm going to see how long I can go without blood before I it, can't control it anymore. And he's timing it, timing it, timing it. And Milo ends up showing up at his lab, finds him and gets him some blood, you know, after he had gone a certain amount of time without it. And he was like really suffering um, and sees that he was able to walk and he was strong and he was healthy. And he's like, Oh my God, you found a cure. And, and you know, Michael's like, no way are you taking this? I'm yeah. not giving, I'm not turning curse. you. It's a curse. I'm not turning you into what I've been turned into. He's a curse. It's terrible. He goes, but you're cured. You're walking. Everything's good. Yeah. And he's like, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Well, shocking. I mean, again, it was like the biggest non-surprise in the movie. Milo ended up taking the serum himself, um, stealing it from the lab and taking it. They never showed you that though. That was well, very th- confusing. That pissed me off because yeah. there were two vials of serum that he had sat yeah. in the in the lab and we saw Milo leave and the two vials were still sitting there. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, he's been, you know, turned into a living vampire right. as well. And I'm like, when and where and how did that happen? Right. Because what ends up happening is a nurse that works in the lab ended up getting killed at night. Um, Michael Morbius doesn't remember doing it because he felt like he was, he's like, how did this happen? I, I don't know how this happened. Yeah. And we've, you know. He's Again, starting to question if he's blacking out. Right. Doing but big shocker, things. we find out that Milo had taken the cure and, and had turned into the living. Mm. But he, unlike Michael, who felt horrified by what he'd been turned into. Embraces it. He embraced. He's like, I feel better than I've ever felt in my yeah. life. And he said, if I have to go, you know, hunt and kill people and drink their blood. Um, so be it. Yeah. And it's, they, it's my turn to live. I've been in pain and agony my whole life. This is a this is a cure. He th- he th- he looked at it as a cure, right? And uh, you know that that kind of sets off. And Michael gets imprisoned and questioned by the police. And Milo shows up and gives him a vial, gives him a bag of blood, so that it lets Michael escape from the prison. But then they end up chasing each other through the city. Um, and Michael's like, you know, you can't do this. You can't do this. And he's like, why can't I? Um, kills like five police officers, you know, that are chasing them, and and just has no remorse for anybody. Um, and this is the really cool part of that was that's when um, Michael Morbius realized he could fly because of the the sound waves that were yeah. coming off the train and he could like you know glide on those sound waves. That yeah. was a kind of cool scene of him escaping that whole yeah. fight scene. Um, so that again, I thought the Milo character, the hunger villain, you know that he character that he turned into, 
I didn't like him. I didn't like the way he was portrayed. I didn't think he was that compelling a villain. Um, they made Michael Morbius out to be this, you know, doctor who was there to help people and cure people. And he would, he refused to drink real blood, right. like refused. He says, I'm not going to drink real blood. He said, I'm, I'm, you know, so basically they were portraying him as this, I'll say like an anti-hero, but basically saying he's a good guy, just yeah. in a bad situation. Right. right. Yes. Um, which kind of gets into the post-credit scenes a little bit, which I'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But um, anyway, he he's able to then, you know, get his own lab and he's wants to develop a anti-serum and he has help from his, uh, his girlfriend or, you know, coworker slash slash girlfriend, um, Martine. Uh, she ends up finding him and helping him. Um, and uh, they, you know, he creates this anti-serum, which basically is like deadly to bats, deadly to humans. He's like, it, it should kill him. Um, he's like, I got to hunt this guy down and take him out because he's going to be taken out. And it, he ends up you know, finding their mentor and ends up like killing their mentor, which Michael Milo kills the mentor. Milo yeah. kills the mentor and, and is like, it's time right. to put him down. Yeah. yeah. Time, yeah. I got to put him down. Straw. And then at that scene, Milo had kidnapped Martine and brought her up onto a rooftop to kind of, you know, get Michael to come out and in the open so they could fight. And uh, he ends up like stabbing her in the neck and she's like bleeding profusely from the neck and dying. And she says to him, you can save me. You can save your blood can save me. And he ends up uh, biting her and drinking your blood, which gives him strength. But I think they kissed, and she she bit his lip. She bit his lip and drank some of his blood. Right, she drank to some, put the serum in the blood in him. Right, in her, I mean. Yeah, so she dra- ended up drinking a little bit of his blood when and she ends up dying. Right, and she ends up dying. Uh, but then you know Michael chases down uh, Milo, Milo, and they end up. It was a great fight scene. I thought it was. Yeah, it was cool. cool. And and we one of the things that uh, kind of saves him, you know, he's getting beat to hell. Um, and he's, you know, kind of disabled by by Milo, scratches him in the chest and he's bleeding. And but he ends up screaming so loud that he calls bats to his service and yeah. they come into this cave that they're in and circle him and he's able to like use them to kind of you know get Milo kind of um pinned against the wall. Um and the bats are working on behalf of Morbius, and then he ends up, you know, stabbing him in the chest with the serum and kills him. Great end scene, boom, end over. He's he's defeated the enemy, and I thought that was like okay, yeah, that's it. It was and a little anticlimactic, right? Except Martine, you see at the end, her eyes. She, she wakes up on she, the rooftop, and her, her eyes, eyes are red. red. Yeah, so you know. she's obviously infected and turns. I thought that was a little cheesy, right. to be honest with you. Right. But a little and a little predictable. Yeah, you know, again, that was this one one of the problems I had with it. But yeah. look, the action sequences were pretty good. Like Special you said, effects were good. The way that they portrayed both Milo and Michael when they would turn into the living vampire, like the teeth and the yeah. face and the way that the the bones would show on their faces as yeah. their their skin got sucked in when they when they wanted to rage out, basically. Yeah. And the claws and I mean, yeah. that was just super cool. I thought it was really that I, was really I well saw done. the movie with my wife and she was staring and googly eyed over uh Jared Leto the whole time. So you know he's fifty? Yeah, wow. God. Gee, he looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks fantastic. And again, I thought he did a great job. I thought he was a great... I, I can't blame him for this. I really can't. Well, and and again, we'll, we'll kind of in a second here t- talk about the ending. Um, I think they changed so much in the two and a half years that it's been since this movie was ready for release. They've changed so much. So many of the scenes that we saw in the original trailer never made their way into yeah, the movie no. for lots of different reasons. You mentioned the scene of him lifting this big, heavy crypt that was in his, you know, never did that. Uh, the scene with him walking, you know, out of the prison with a hood on, hoodie on and seeing, you know, Adrian Toomes walk out of a van and say, hey, Doc. The you vulture know, yeah, from the, the Spider-Man movies, yeah. And the picture of him walking by the Spider-Man on the wall that Never said, happened. you know, murderer. It's like they took so much of that out. Yeah. And did it take away or detract from the movie? I don't know because I never saw the original footage. Yeah. Um, you know. I really don't think it did. I think it kind of made it stand out on its own. Um, but still, it was very, it was weird. It was choppy, like I said. 
Now, if I had walked out at that point in time and not seen the post credit scenes, I would have been like, it was all right. Yeah. You know, it was entertaining. I, yeah. I I got my money's worth. It was entertaining. And then I saw the post credit scenes and oh. then all the reactions of all the people that I read after the fact of like, you know, how disjointed and how, you know, look, again, we'll talk about that five letter word, the movie industry greed. That's exactly what's happened here. And, you know, the reason why I brought up the Spider-Man No Way Home box office totals earlier is after that happened. It seems like to me that Sony made a concerted effort to disconnect this movie from anything that had to do with Marvel Studios. Whereas I think earlier, had this movie come out a year ago, they had planned to integrate Morbius and Venom and a bunch of the other you know Sony characters into the MCU having this shared universe which is what you and I and every other fan out there wanted. Yeah. When we heard they were going to do Craven the Hunter and we heard they were going to do a Sinister Six and we heard oh my god can you imagine them yeah. being in the MCU and all this other stuff and I think that there were plans to do that at some point in time. And then the success of Spider-Man No Way Home. And then Sony's like do we really need Marvel? Because right. people just love Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, they'll 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 spend one point eight billion dollars to see our character Spider-Man on the big screen. Why do they? Why do we need Marvel? Well, you know what? You can make Spider-Man movies, and we'll go see it. But they won't be successful if they're bad. Yeah. Look at Venom. Let there be carnage. Look at the box office totals of this movie. You make bad movies, they're not going to do well. I don't care. But. The promise of Morbius being in the MCU and being integrated with the Midnight Suns and a bunch of other stuff, I think would have been cool and compelling, right? <coughs> awful. The the, the, the post credit scenes were so bad. They were awful. They were confusing. Uh, I think it was a reach to set up the sinister uh, the sinister sticks. Uh, a poor attempt to do that. I think uh, confusing. It didn't make sense. It's like. You well, know, let's tell them what happened. Tell them what happened. The first scene is you see the tear in the multiverse in New York. You see and by the way, the New graphics York. of that and the special effects of that scene of the tear in the sky were horrible. Well, it was last minute. That, it that's was what, it's like somebody like photoshopped a picture of the tear in the sky onto yeah. a, a, a picture of New York City. It was so bad. It, it was like going to a really good wedding. And at the end of the wedding, the drunk uncle throws up all over the wedding cake and, and ruins it. It's you don't remember how much, how great the vows were. You don't remember how great the first dance was with the father or any of that. <laughs> all you remember is the drunk uncle throwing up on the cake and ruining your wedding cake day that you, you I mean, as a guest, as a viewer of the wedding, I want a piece of that cake. I'm looking forward to it. Right. And it was ruined by these end credit scenes. So you get over New York, you get this horrible graphic or horrible special effects of the rip and the multiverse. And then it kind of fits from Spider-Man, no way home, Spider-Man, no way home. And then you, you get the vulture, Michael Keaton's character, all of a sudden glowing and appearing in a cell. And then he looks at himself kind of confused. He's pat, patting himself. And he, he looks in the mirror like he has any knowledge that he's somewhere, that he's all of a sudden in a different world. How crazy was that? Was I hope so the food's stupid. better in this place. Awful. I couldn't. And that's when I almost stood up and walked out. I was like, what? How can you be so cavalier about what just happened and you you understand what just happened a and b you're okay with this like what about your family that you did all of that for you you love your family and you did everything to support and fix your family now all of a sudden you're in some multi-universe and your family's not even there i mean come on it well, was so and weird. and the fact that the whole explanation be, behind spider-man no way home was the spell that dr strange cast in our world, in the MCU world, a lot created tears in the multiverse that would bring people that knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man into the MCU universe. Right. And they were coming here. Right. right. And then when he fixed that, they were sent back. Right. There was nothing about, and that's why Venom ended up coming here in the post credit scene. So that was explained, that he came and then it was sent back when the spell was fixed. We got all that. But there was nothing about, oh, well, we were also able to send people from our universe into other universes. What? It was awful. So if that's the case, why didn't 
Thor and you know Hawkeye and you know go to other universes. Go to other universes because yeah. they all knew that Peter Parker was Spider Man. It, it was a weak attempt to create what they're doing, and they've already admitted this. They're creating a Spider Verse, and it was a weak attempt to kind of launch that. I thought in so. My that opinion. scene was absolutely horrible. Yeah, and the oh, wait and the next that, one was even more horrific. It, it was absolutely even more horrific. Where you get Michael Morbius, you get him driving at 3 a.m. in some road, desolate road, outskirts of the city, just driving this Porsche really fast. And then he pulls over and he gets out and then all of a sudden flies in the vulture in his gear in this new kind of helmet looking thing, but very similar to what he was uh, in in the other movies, um, Homecoming. And then they have this conversation that's so weird it, He's it like, just, uh, I've been reading about you in the papers, and uh, I'm, i got to say I'm a big fan. I think guys like you and I should get together and do some good. Other people other people like us should do the, he says, I have no idea how I got here, but I have a feeling it has something, something to do, do with, with Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. What the hell was that? And like, does Michael Morris even know who Spider-Man is? No. You know? and, and why would, you know... And, and where did he get the suit from? We just saw a whole movie of Michael Morbius trying to be a good guy, trying to be... And they're setting positive. him up as an anti-hero, somebody that's that's a good person, that won't drink human blood, that wants to do everything to cure himself of now this Now he's going to team up with the Sinister Sticks, this villain? It was so awful. bad. Who wrote that? So bad. It left such a bad taste in your mouth. And I tried to separate myself from the two end credit scenes from the movie itself. But you can't help. And I'm sure this is what the critics did. They can't help but lump that into that sick feeling Again. that they had. And that's I why just they had the feeling that it's it. just Sony making a money grab and saying we can do this we don't need marvel we don't we can make our own you know what well and of course you heard the director was online he's doing this spoiled the whole ending spoiled everything and he said oh well there's a spider-man in this so morbius is in the same universe as venom and there's a spider-man in that universe we just don't know who it is yet but you'll find out soon so oh it might be miles morales it might be andrew garfield's version of spider-man we don't know who it is but you'll find out awful and it's basically sony saying we can make our own Spider-Man, Spider-Man universe, and we can make our own movies in our own universe. We don't need Marvel. Look, we, we were forced to share Tom Holland in that version of Spider-Man with Marvel because of the agreement we have. But all these other characters we have, they're going to be ours, and we're going to control and, and own all those, and we'll make tons of money doing our own thing over here. And we hear about all the projects they have coming up. The Madam Web project. We know... Craven the Hunter movies coming out. We believe the Spider Woman uh, movies in the works. Sinister Six. Sinister Six now is, is being set up, and now they're like, "Oh, we're going to make all these Sony based movies on Spider Man. We're going to make tons of money." The reason why the Tom Holland movies worked so well is because they were in our universe, yeah. and because of who he was, and he he appeared. In Captain America Civil War. He was in Infinity War. He was in Endgame. Uh, Iron Man was in the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, We had Doctor Strange in the last Spider-Man movie. The reason why they worked was not because it was Spider-Man and not because it was the Sony versions of Spider-Man that were in that movie. It was because of the integration with our MCU environment. And they were just good stories. And they were they well were done. They were better stories. And, and let me correct people on this because I hear a lot of this. This is Marvel's worst movie. I can't believe Marvel put this out. Marvel didn't put this Marvel out. Marvel Studios did not put this out. I'm sure they are like rolling over, like cringing when their name oh, is in the in nobody association is happier right now than Kevin Feige oh, about this movie. As bombing. long as people understand that this was a Sony project in association with Marvel, but Marvel had no creative rights. Marvel in this. Studios had Marvel no. Stu- so there's right. a difference between Marvel and yeah. Marvel Studios. Yeah. Okay. Disney does not own Marvel. They own Marvel Studios. Yes. Right. Marvel, the entity, crosses a bunch of different things. Right, including, you know. Previously Fox, but also Paramount and 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 you know Columbia Pictures and Sony and everything. So that Marvel, the entity, makes comic books, right? Yeah. So that's what they do. Marvel Studios is owned by Disney. Yeah. So that you're right. Marvel Studios had nothing to do Correct. with this movie. Zero. Right. Had nothing it, to do. This with was it. a Sony pushed project. 
in association with Marvel, not Marvel Studios, and it was very telling. And you know and who I blame for all of this? <laughs> Pascal. Amy Pascal. Amy Pascal. Again, it is so obvious to me that they are just Greed chasing yeah. the money. They are just looking at what Spider-Man No Way Home did and saying, we can do this. We can make our own universe. We can make bad movies with great characters that people are going to be compelled to go see. And you know what? I'm not that compelled. Look, both Venom movies, not very happy with. You know, and again, what the Spider-Man, uh, not the Spider-Man, uh, the Venom Let There Be Carnage end credit scene led me to believe was, oh my God, they're bringing Venom into our universe yeah. and he's now going to be part of the MCU. I was so excited. Yeah. And then we heard rumors at that time that Morbius was also going to be in the MCU. And I'm like, they're doing it. We're finally going to have a shared universe between Sony characters and Marvel. And we know the Fox characters are coming in. I was so excited. Yeah. And they completely rolled it all back. Yeah. They sent Venom back at the end of No Way Home. Yep. And they made Morbius his own thing in his own universe. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Uh, it'll be interesting to see moving forward what happens. But thank God. Well, look, they're paying the price. This movie is... It had a decent first night. The Thursday night, I think it did five point seven million on a Thursday. We'll see about this weekend. I hope it sends a message. But the Rotten Tomatoes score from the critics is at sixteen percent. It's awful. It's horrible. And even the even the even people like me, uh, the people that saw it, their score is like sixty low sixties, sixty percent. So it's still not great. Like I said, if I had to give my rating of the movie without the end credit scenes. I would have said it's like a 65. It was better than average. It wasn't bad. It no. was, I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. No. And again, I liked it better than uh, it was Venom Let There Be Carnage. There's no question. It wasn't great. But you know, great. I would have looked at it as, okay, it's an origin story. You're telling the story. And I mentioned this last week. That was the way I looked at, like, the original Thor movie was not fantastic. But it was the promise of bringing Thor yeah. into our universe and what the future of that character held that got me excited. And I could have looked at this and said, you're introducing us to this character, Morbius, and he's going to be potentially, think about what we were talking about, Titanium, the possibility of Morbius now working with Moon Knight and Ghost Rider and Blade awesome. and the Black Knight. Awesome. And supernatural threats. And you know, Morbius is this guy who's always fighting this inner vampire blood hunger in him, but he's, but he wants to do good things. Yeah. And and that would have been so awesome. Yeah. We don't get that now. Oh, I think Marvel studio is re is rethinking their whole process. Now It's like, you know what? We don't need Morbius. We'll, we'll do werewolf by night. We'll do uh, black Knight. We'll do blade and we'll do moon Knight, And that will be, and, and maybe we'll introduce ghost rider into that whole mix. And, we, and that's we, our, we, we've got some, enough. We don't, we got enough. We, got we don't enough. need them. Yeah, we don't, we don't need them. And that's what Sony is a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Because they're not going to see that Spider-Man type of gross in the box office if they don't cooperate. Here, here's my my prediction of the future of Sony. Um, I think Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, the, the one that's coming out later the this animated year. Series? The animated show. Because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was, was fantastic. Awesome. I think Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse will be great. Yeah. Part I have one no, of two. I have no doubts that that will be a great movie. I agree. I have a feeling Craven the Hunter is going to be bad. Ooh. I have, I have a no confidence in it. The Madam Web movie is going to be bad. No confidence in it. I that. have a feeling the Sinister Six movie is going to be bad. Awful. And Sony is now going to be paying the price for the decisions they made to distance themselves from Marvel and the MCU. And they're going to pay that price themselves. And I, I, I have zero hopes for the future of Sony. And I have zero sympathy for them. Right. It's yeah. just stupid. Um, but anyway, I felt that this movie deserved better than it's getting right now. And I think, and again, I, I you and I don't know, and we may never hear the end story of the, what was changed in the last six months because of all this. Yeah. Right. Two we, years they had to get this right. Right. But we don't know what was changed because of these decisions that Sony made. So who knows what it would have been, you know? I, and again, I'm I'm just so I was so angry at those po they, the post credit scenes were so bad, just so Awful. so confusing. And I I didn't want I I saw it before you obviously, and I didn't want to like 
blast it so early. And, and you even asked me, it's like, should I stay for the post credit scenes? I'm like, yeah, stay to watch them. But what I really wanted to say is don't waste your fucking time. Just yeah. leave. You're better off not. You'll have a better taste of the movie. I would have. Had you just told me what happened today yeah. and I not seen him, I probably would have felt better about the movie. I agree. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Those so. post credit scenes ruined it for me. And, and frankly, again, the, the popular consensus out there is now everybody's been clamoring for uh, an amazing Spider-Man 3 movie with Andrew Garfield. They want him to come back as Spider-Man, and and they're clamoring for that. And justifiably so. I mean, I think he got he got really screwed by Sony yeah. when they decided to recast Agreed. him when they created the sharing agreement with Marvel. But I think they're going to introduce him as... Because it can't be the... Because if this is Venom's universe, it can't be... Toby, uh, Toby Maguire, because he already had a Venom in his universe, yes. so it's got to be Andrew Garfield's yeah, universe. And it's not going to be Tom Holland, right? We know that, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just have a feeling that that Andrew Garfield's going to be the guy that's going to be part of this universe, and they're going to, you know, he's going to be the one fighting against the Sinister Six and all this other stuff. And I'm, just, I feel bad for him. Yeah. You know, good for him getting to work, I guess. You know, and in, but they're going to do an Amazing Spider-Man three, maybe. I, I, I just don't even know anymore. And yeah. frankly, I'm angry right now, and and at Sony primarily. And I just, I just don't know what to Focus do. Focus on Moon Knight. We got Moon Knight next oh, yeah, week, but we do. I'm so excited for that. Let's ring the bell professor and let's wrap it up. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week for more super talk to get in touch with us on social media. Hit us up via email, super talk podcast at outlook.com or at super talk pod on Twitter. Until then stay super everyone. <laughs> Thank you.